You know, it seems like all too often in our world, and maybe it's because we're so connected, maybe, but we're always hearing about people committing suicide a lot. Uh, probably a lot of you or some of you, suicide has touched your family. It has certainly touched Warren Baptist Church. And uh, we, you know, see and hear stories of people like Robin Williams committing suicide. In fact, Time Magazine ran an article and it said, what's the deal with comedians in depression? You would think of all the people in the world, comedians would be happy and making people laugh. And yet a lot of times we get into their lives and we realize that that they have a lot of depression and a lot of things. And, and what drives people to suicide so many times is depression. They just feel like, I'm no good. Nobody loves me. I'm a failure in life. I've been a huge disappointment, so why stay around? And I would hazard a guess that some of you all have struggled with those thoughts at times. In fact, I'll be honest, I have. There have been times that I've had dark days in my life when I just wondered, Why? Sometimes you feel like a failure. Sometimes you feel like you've let everybody down. And, and depression is a very dark feeling if you've been there. It's a very, very dark feeling. You're tired. You don't want to get out of bed. And in fact, it may surprise you that there's been a lot of spiritual giants who have suffered depression. Some of you may have heard of Charles Spurgeon known as the Prince of Preachers in the 1800s, Charles Spurgeon struggled with depression. Some of you may have written, written uh, read Pilgrim's Progress, John Bunyan. John Bunyan also, as I understand it, struggled with depression. Uh, famous pastor, Puritan pastor, Baxter, um, struggled with depression. In fact, if you read folks in uh, some of the great preachers, you'll find that a lot of them had those moments where they really struggled with depression. Great presidents have struggled with depression. Abraham Lincoln, the most notable. In fact, Abraham Lincoln once wrote this, I am now the most miserable man living. I feel what I were I, if what I feel were equally distributed to the whole human family, there would not be one cheerful face on earth. To remain as I am is impossible. I must die or be better. So even great presidents have struggled with depression. Depression can be brought on by a lot of things, a financial failure maybe or shortfall. You know, in the Great Depression, it's called that because a lot of people were greatly depressed because they saw their finances evaporate overnight and many people jumping out of windows of buildings because they just didn't see how they could go on. Sometimes depression is brought on by a sudden loss of a family member. Uh, Laura and I have been binge-watching a little bit for an hour or two at night before we go to bed. We've been watching this show called Designated Survivor. I don't know if you've heard of it, but the story is based on when the president gives his speech, there is a designated survivor, and this is true, that in case Congress is blown up, that this person becomes the next president of the United States. And the story is built on this guy who would have been like 11th or 12th in line to be president is the Congress is destroyed and suddenly he's president of the United States. And so it's a, it's a fascinating series because nobody believes that he could do it. He was the HUD secretary and, you know, who are you and you're not qualified and yada, yada, yada. But last night we're in season two 
And um, his wife was killed last night in a car accident. It just kind of hit. He's like, oh, my gosh, what? And, you know, she's his wife, you know. And so you're watching him as he's talking to this therapist and he's not wanting to deal with his depression and and people at the White House are saying he's not the way he's been the last 10 weeks have been is just not president he's just not the man he was and again depression can be brought on by a sudden loss of, of somebody you love it can be brought on by sudden change in your life or sudden realization that you wake up one day midlife crisis as they call it and you realize you've got more years behind you than ahead of you and that can be really depressing. So this morning, I, I want us to go to Psalm 69. And we're doing this journey through, the, not, we're going to not do the whole book of Psalms, obviously, but we're going to look at some Psalms. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 69. And I love the Psalms because, quite frankly, they're raw. <laughs> they are raw. And the Psalms are lit, written by a lot of people, different people. Now, they're written by famous people, King David, obviously, most of the Psalms. But we also have Psalm uh, in there from Solomon and Moses. So there are Psalms that are written by very famous people. There are Psalms in the book of Psalms written by not-so-famous people, like Asaph, who was the one of the worship leaders under David, or the sons of Korah or Ethan. There's a, there's a few of not-so-famous people. Then there are Psalms that we just don't know really who wrote them. So these are these, all sorts of different writers of, of the book of what we call Psalms, and all sorts of people at different stages of their life, some famous, not-so-famous, some very wealthy, some not very wealthy at all, some we don't really know anything about. This psalm in particular, Psalm 69, is written by David. And David is the king of Israel. And David has really anything he wants. He's extremely wealthy, obviously, as the king. He is extremely powerful, obviously, as the king. He has personally been chosen by God. He wasn't like elected. He was chosen by God. Samuel, of course, uh, anointed King David. He is not only the king, he's not only extremely wealthy, he's a mighty warrior. He has a, a reputation as a great warrior. So this, this is the ultimate king. And so if there was somebody that you would think would never struggle with depression... It would be David. Sometimes we look at people like David who are maybe well off, like Robin Williams, and we think, you know, the guy's a multi-millionaire. He makes people laugh. And then we find out he commits suicide. What? 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 And it's just like a shock. You mean people like that struggle? Yes, they do. Sometimes we put people on a pedestal. We were talking about that last night. Some of us guys to get together, and we were talking about how we put people on a pedestal. We think they got it all together, but if you really sit down and talk to them, you'll find out they have struggles too. And they have things they're dealing with too. And sometimes we try to bottle it up. We don't want anybody to know. We put on the mask on Sunday morning. Oh, everything's great, but inside we're dying. And I just want you to know that if you're struggling this morning, maybe you're watching by Facebook and you're struggling with depression and you're thinking, I'm just going to give it up. How, what's the hope? I just want you to know there is hope. And I want you to see what David prays in the midst of this depression. So Psalm 69, now the first part, David's just going to lay the groundwork. Look at his depression here. Here's what he says. He starts off, save me, God, for the water has risen to my neck. Now I just want to stop there right, real quickly and just say this, and, may, and maybe for our Facebook audience in particular, if you're watching, what's interesting to me is a lot of people who don't believe there is a God, when they get in depression... Or they feel like, guess who they call out to? God. Why do we do that? Even if you're not sure there is a God, because we want to believe there's something greater than ourselves. 
We want to believe there's something out there, someone out there who can help us because we know that we need help. So, so right here, just save me, God. That's, that's a plea of a lot of people. Even people say, I don't even know if I believe there is a God. But when we get those moments where we're just feeling doubt and the water's up to our necks and it's rising, we're like, save me, okay? I don't know if you're out there, but please, please save me because we want to feel loved. We want to feel cared for. We, we know we need help. And so David now, he does believe there is a God, obviously. But it's interesting, right there, he just says, save me, God. And I think so many people, maybe you're watching today, and, and that's been your cry right now. You're like, save me, God. And maybe he's brought you to watch this broadcast this morning, or maybe brought you here to this church to hear this. So look how he's describing how he's feeling. Verse, for the water has risen to my neck. Verse 2, I have sunk deep in deep mud, and there is no footing. I've come into deep waters, and a flood sweeps over me. God, I've sunk into deep mud. I, I, can't, I can't provide for my family the way I was wanting to because I lost my job or cutbacks. I've sunk into deep mud. God, my marriage just seems derailed. I just I can't seem to get it back on track. I've sunk into deep mud. God, my, I, I got a child that's just not walking with you and totally wayward and I just feel like the water's up to my neck. I've sunk into deep mud. God, my health is deteriorating and it's, it's depressing and I, I just, God, I just feel like I've sunk into deep mud and there's no footing. I can't seem to find a footing. I can't, I can't seem to get my life back. Some of y'all feel that way right now. It's what David's saying. Look at verse 3. Some of you know what this is like. I'm weary from my crying, my throat is parched, my eyes fail, looking for my God. Now, now it got personal. He started off just, save me, God. Now it gets to my God. Now we're personal. Okay, God, I've taken it from the generic, save me, like a lot of people cry out. But I'm telling you, I'm a believer, okay? And I'm saying that I've been sitting here crying in the midst of my... I can't even cry anymore. My throat's dry. It's cracked. And I'm calling... My, I'm looking for you. I, I'm trying to figure out where are you in the midst of this? Where are you in the midst of my job loss? Where are you in the midst of my crumbling marriage? Where are you in the midst of my child who's walking away from... Where are you in the midst of this? And you might identify with that. Again, this is the king of Israel, a man chosen by God, a prophet. He, 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 this, this guy is, I mean, this guy loves God, but listen to his struggles. I've been crying to my God. I've been looking for my God. And, and, and you know, here's the thing. When you're depressed, and some of you all know this, when you're going through depression, you feel like everything's against you. You even feel like everyone's against you. Look at this, verse 4. Those who hate me without cause are more numerous than the hairs of my head. I can't, I can't even count the number of people that just hate me, God. My deceitful enemies who would destroy me are powerful. Though I did not steal, I must repay. And again, maybe your depression is brought on the fact that, that you've got some bad stuff you're dealing with. Bad people. And you just feel like everybody's out to get you. Your boss is out to get you. Whatever. Co-workers are out to get you. Your family members are out to get you. And you just feel depressed. And you feel overwhelmed. You're like, this is, I didn't cause this. I didn't bring, I, I didn't steal, but now I'm asked to, be re, to repay. I didn't bring this on myself. I, what, what is this? And again, you, you just feel like this is not fair. Now, on the other hand, 
Sometimes our depression is on things that we did. So let's get real. Let's be real. It's not always I didn't deserve this because sometimes we do things in life quite frankly are the reason we have the consequences. If you look at verse 5, God, you know my foolishness and my guilt has not been hidden from you. So David's willing to admit it. And I don't know exactly, but this may have been after Bathsheba and the adultery of Bathsheba and the killing of Bathsheba's husband. And again, certainly if it wasn't that, certainly David was aware of his sin, as we all should be. And so, there, you know, sometimes our depression is, and maybe some of this feeling that he's sinking up to his neck and he can't find a footing, maybe David's acknowledging, okay, some of it I don't get, I don't think I did anything wrong, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to admit, God, that you know what, some of it I may have had something to do with it. Some of this I may have brought on myself. And then what even adds more pressure, if you're a Christ follower, is the fact that people are watching Look at verse 6. Do not let those who put their hope in you, speaking to God, be disgraced because of me, Lord of hosts. Do not let those who seek you be humiliated because of me, God of Israel. So David, on top of his depression, he's like, okay, God, i got to get this together because I don't want to cause people to drift away from you. Because there's a lot of people looking to me, and some of y'all feel that way too. You're like, I can't get depressed. I think that's sometimes why preachers put on a mask. I can't get depressed. I can't show that I'm really struggling, because if I do, what's people going to think? Well, they might think you're human. But also there is that fear of if I show it, then I might somebody might say, well, see, none of this is real. And so sometimes we put on a mask. And David, he's, he's generally, I mean, he's the king of Israel. And God, if I, I, don't, I don't want to lead people away from you by my struggles here. And, and depression will drive us into feeling defeated. All we can do is think about the negatives. It seems like everybody's against me. I've made some bad choices. I'm going to lead people astray. I'm just, I, I just can't do this. Look at verse 7. He says, for I have endured insults because of you, and shame has covered my face. And David's like, you know, okay, God, I don't understand why you're letting this happen to me because look at what I've done for you and, and people like Joab and people like uh, Absalom and Saul they, they, you know, they hurled insults at me because of my devotion to you and in and, and verse 8 he says I've become a stranger to my brothers and, and a foreigner to my mother's sons even my own brother Eliab but he, did, he didn't like the fact that I was an elected king of Israel anointed king of Israel by you God and, and I've just been trying to follow you and it almost seems like maybe some of this has been brought on because of you God and, and he says some of these people People just, they're not treating me right because zeal for your house, verse 9, has consumed me and, and insults of those who have insulted you have fallen upon me. And God, I mean, I, mean, I just feel like I'm sinking here because it, it just, I can't find a footing and it seems like people are laughing at me, insulting me, accusing me of things I didn't do. And yes, God, I admit that there was some stuff I did that probably had to play in this. And on the other hand, there's people that are mocking me because I'm, I'm trying to be devoted to you. And then there's people I'm afraid are going to be left astray because if they realize I'm struggling with this. I mean, do you just feel the box? And some of you will know that. In fact, I would imagine all of us have had that time. I mean, you feel over your head. You feel like you can't get ahead. 
You feel like everybody's against you. You feel like you're letting people down. If you're a Christ follower, you're afraid people are going to fall away or be steered away from Christ because of you. You feel like your family's against you. You feel like you're alone and you're asking, where is God? Where? How do I get out of this box? Because let me tell you something. I've had those dark days in my life. And I'll tell you, it's not living. Because it drains you of your energy if you've been depressed. Some of y'all know that. You know, it, you just, Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher, there are stories that there were days he just couldn't get out of bed. I mean, this is the preacher that had megachurch before there were megachurches. There were times that he battled what he called uncaused depression. Energy's drained. You feel disconnected from people. You feel disconnected from your loved ones. You feel disconnected from God. You feel like everybody's looking down on you. You feel alone. What used to bring you joy just doesn't bring you joy anymore. There's no pleasure. I mean, that's not a way to live, is it? Nobody wants to live in depression. So how do you defeat depression? How do you defeat this? Well, one option is just try to do things. All right, outward actions. Look at verse 10 and 11. So David, he, he goes, I mourned and I fasted. <laughs> but look what it got me. Insults. Verse 11, I wore sackcloth as my clothing, which was obviously a sign of mourning, and I was a joke. He said, verse 12, those who sit at the city gate talk about me and drunkards make up songs about me. I mean, he's probably walking through the street and he heard him singing, Old depressed David, old depressed David, he's depressed all the time. You know, they probably heard all sorts, of, he did, and here he is, you know. And, and, and he's like, <laughs> people think I'm a joke, God. I mean, I, I'm wearing sackcloth and they're making up songs. And, and let, let's just face it, okay? You know why people probably joked about him? Because nobody wants to be around depressed people, Right? If you know people that are depressed, you don't want to be around them. When you're depressed, you don't want to be around people, and people don't want to be around you. I mean, nobody wants to. And again, probably the way people were dealing with it is made jokes about David. Again, that's not living. How do you defeat depression? Well, some people do it by medications, or they try, but that doesn't take away the problem. It just band-aids a symptom. How do you do it? Well, again, it goes down to the core of who you are. And at the end of the day, medication may help. I'm not saying medication can't help. But at the end of the day, it's a core root issue that you have to deal with. How do you do it? How do you defeat depression? Well, let me give you. Here's what you do. You defeat depression by deciding this is a choice. You defeat depression by deciding, you've got to make a choice, that you're going to depend upon God. And again, David starts out, save me, O God. But it's not just saying, save me. It is, I'm going to choose to depend 
upon you. Now again, David's enemies are insulting him. They're making up songs about him. They're talking about him. His own brothers are scorning him. And again, it's very easy for David to get really focused on these things. And that's one option. I mean, if you're depressed, you can just focus on what other people are saying about you and talking about you. It's going to lead you further into depression, okay? If you're depressed, you can, you can focus on your own depression. Woe is me. And you can talk about how life is terrible and stuff. And that's just going to go further into depression. Or you can defeat depression by deciding that you're going to depend upon God. Because look at verse 13. So David takes his, here's my decision. But as for me, Lord, my prayer to you is for a time of favor. And here's why I'm deciding to depend on you. In your abundant, faithful love, I know you're faithful. I know you love me. Answer me with your sure salvation. Rescue me from the miry mud. Don't let me sink. Let me be rescued from those who hate me from the deep waters. Don't let the water sweep over me or the shallows sweep me up. Don't let the pit close his mouth on me. Answer me, O Lord, for your faithful love is good in keeping with your great compassion. Don't hide your face from your servant, for I am distressed. Answer me quickly. Draw near to me and redeem me. Ransom me because of my enemies. Notice, here's why David decides to depend upon God. If you look at that, you're going to see faithful love twice in those verses. Because of your faithful love. Because of your faithful love. Because of your great compassion. So I'm, you know what? Here, here's the thing, God. I'm calling on you because I know you love me to rescue me from the mud. I'm calling on you because I know you're a God of compassion to rescue me from those deep waters of depression. I'm calling on you to rescue me from the pit of depression. Now, here's the thing. When is God going to do it? If you're depressed, when do you want God to do all those things? Right now. Right now, I will tell you, I, we use the Holman Christian Standard, which I think is a pretty decent translation, but it, here's one thing to remember about Bible translations. They are all interpretations, okay? A translation is an interpretation. If you've ever taken foreign languages, you know that. I think the Holman misses verse 13 a little bit here because he says, I'm asking you for a time of favor, but when you look at other translations, I think they're a little bit better. The other translations say, at an acceptable time. Here's my point here. I think what David's really saying in verse 13 is, God, save me when the time is right. Because here's the thing, and this is something that's hard for us to understand. God sees all the picture. And sometimes we want God to fix everything right now, but God says, no, you need to travel a little bit further. And God may let you stay in that, that, that time, that season, for a little bit longer than you want to stay because you still got to learn a few things. God sees the whole timeline. We don't. And I think David, I, I think other translations hit it better. At your appointed time, save me. Now here's the thing. And this is so important. When you decide to depend upon God, and when you pray to God, this is so important. We pray to a God who understands what it's like to feel these pains. Insults 
have broken my heart and I am in despair. I waited for sympathy, but there was none for comforters, but found no one. Instead, they gave me gall for my food and for my thirst, they gave me vinegar to drink. David says, okay, God, here's the thing. At your appointed time, will you rescue me from this? And you know, God, here's the thing, God, I get it. You know the insults. You know the shame and disgrace. You know what the enemy's doing. You know my heart is broken. You know that I'm in despair. You know that I'm not finding comfort right now. Now, let me just point this out real quickly because this is huge. If you're a student of the Bible... You may see something at the last part of verse 21 that faintly rings a bell. Instead, they gave me gall for food, and for my thirst, they gave me vinegar to drink. Does that ring a bell slightly of somebody else at some other time? Jesus on the cross. Now, David didn't personally know Jesus. Jesus was still another thousand years or so away. But right here's a glimpse of God. In fact, if you didn't catch it, it was earlier. Verses 7 through 9. This describes Jesus on the cross. For I have endured insults because of you, and shame has covered my face. When Jesus was on the cross, what did they do? They mocked him. They laughed at him. They stripped him naked. I have become a stranger to my brothers and a foreigner to my mother's sons. Jesus' own brothers didn't accept him as the Messiah. His own disciples fled at the cross. Because of zeal for your house has consumed me. You guys remember that? That's right in the New Testament. It's a quote. And because of Jesus' zeal there at the temple, my father's house be called a house of prayer, and he drove people out, and that, that people went against him, and the insults of those who insult you have fallen upon me. This is all a little bit of a glimpse of the cross. And here's my point. When you and I pray to God in the midst of our depression, if you'll decide to depend upon Him, I want you to understand, you're praying to a God who has felt the insults. Who does know what it's like to have people talking behind His back. Who does know what it's like to feel shame, rejection, and a broken You and I, if we're going to defeat depression, we need to decide to depend upon God. And here's why. We defeat depression by deciding to depend upon God because God understands. If you have those moments, and maybe you are right now, where you're crying and pouring out your heart to God, just know He, under, he knows, not only does He say, oh, I get it. No, He gets, gets it. He has felt it. He knows what it's like to feel what you're feeling. We don't serve a God who's just up in heaven, kind of, you know, out there rearranging the stars and just kind of disconnected. No, we serve a God who gets it. He understands. So how do you defeat depression? You have to decide. And again, this is a choice. I mean, you can choose to focus on others and how they're treating you. You can focus to waller in the pit. Or you can decide, as David said, but as for me, 
So as for me, I'm going to choose to depend upon God. Because I know he understands. And I know that he sees the whole timeline. And so God, I don't know if this is it yet, but this is what I want. <laughs> I need these deliverance. I need this to happen in your time. Now, David's a human, just like us. And David gives God a few suggestions of what God could do with his enemies. These are called the imprecatory prayers. And it shows you the human side of David. But look what David says, okay? Because this is how much he's hurting. He, he says this. He, he says, okay, God, I'm going to trust you with the issues. And how do you defeat depression? You do it by depending upon God. And you've got to trust God to deal with the issues. And then David gives God some suggestions. We'll look at them quickly. Look at verse 22. Let their, and that's their, his enemies, let their table be set before them like a snare and let it be a trap for their allies. Let their eyes grow too dim to see and let their loins continually shake. I mean, <laughs> this is how David's like, you know, this is how much I'm struggling in anger I feel towards these people. Pour out your rage on them and let your burning anger overtake them. Make their fortification desolate and may no one live in their tents for they persecuted the one you struck and talk about the pain of those you wounded. Another glimpse maybe towards the cross. Add guilt to their guilt and do not let their share in your righteousness. Let them be erased from the book of life and not be recorded with the righteous. Now that's pretty harsh. That's just how deep David is wounded. But he's saying, but look at the next verse. But as for me, but as for me. In other words, I go back to what I said. You defeat depression by depending upon God. So after David says, this is really what I'd like to see, God. Just let it happen, let it happen, let it happen. But as for me, okay, but as for me poor, and in pain. Let your salvation protect me. <laughs> it's really what I would like to see happen to them, God. All right. But as for me, I'm going to depend on you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to depend upon you and I'm going to trust in you because I know you understand what I'm going through. You have felt this kind of pain. You understand this kind of pain. I'll trust you. I'll trust you with the timeline here. At the right time, in the time of favor, I will trust you to act. But as for me, let your salvation protect me, God. You defeat depression by de deciding to depend upon God. You say, well, Jim, what does that look like? I mean, okay. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to depend upon God. What does that look like? Well, here's what it looks like. First of all, you just start praising the Lord. You say, oh, that's just being fake. No, 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 no. Don't be fake. Be real about it. Be real about it. Here, here's what he says, verse 30. Here's what David says. All right, but as for me, this is what I'm going to do. I will praise God's name with a song and exalt him with thanksgiving. You say, well, Jim, I don't know if I feel like praising God right now. Where do I start? Well, if you're a Christ follower, you can praise him for the fact that you're going to heaven. You can praise him for the fact that this earth is not your home. 
You can praise him for the fact that justice will occur. God will enact justice. You can praise him because he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And Satan is not on the throne. God is. You can praise his name that you have a savior that identifies and understands what you're feeling. Because he came to this earth to die for you. You can praise him. And you know what? I'll admit. When you're depressed, you don't feel like praising the Lord. But if you'll decide to do it, you'll start walking out of that depression. In fact, there's another thing that this looks like. If you decide to depend upon him, that is practice thanksgiving. Start being thankful. I meant to grab the hymn book. Should have done it. Count your many blessings. Name them one by one. And it will surprise you what? The Lord has done. Man, do you all realize? I know. Look, I get it. I get depression. I, 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 I felt those dark days. I get it. Look at what. Look, you guys, are. we're sitting on padded pews. Well, seats, cushions, chairs, whatever they are. We got heat and it's snowing outside. We got carpeting. We're not on dirt floors. We got running water. Hey, wasn't that nice to have a shower this morning? I hope you took a shower. We got running water. Hot running water. As far as I know, nobody came here on a horse and a buggy. We got cars. Some of us are going to go out to eat afterwards. Don't even have to cook a meal. Somebody's going to cook for you today. We live in a free country right now. I think there's a lot to be thankful for. Do you realize we have it easier than any other generation? Reading through the Bible again. You know, I'm past the age of retirement. If I was a priest in the Old Testament, at the age of 50, you were retired. After 20 years or so in the temple service, you'd be retired. you know why you retired at 50? Because most people didn't live past 50. Most people lived be around age 60, 50 to 60. Hey, we're living 70, 80, 90. They're saying, read somewhere they think, Kids born today may live up to 150 years. I don't know. I don't really want to be on earth that long, quite frankly. But, you know, we've got medical miracles like this thing with Daniel this week. He wouldn't have survived that 50 years ago. We have a lot to be thankful for. And, you know, when you start counting those blessings, it has something, it has a way of pulling you out of that depression. Because you start realizing, wow, look at what God's done. And look at what it does. Verse 31, that 
When I praise you, God, and I thank you, that will please Yahweh, God, more than an ox, more than a bull with horns and hooves. I know that sounds crazy. It's just David back then. I I don't know how you put it. That will please God more than an iPhone X. I don't know, however you want to say it. But God will be pleased when you're praising him, the humble. Now, here's the thing, because David was earlier, he was worried about people seeing him in depression and drawing them away. David says, but as for me, I'm going to practice praise, and I'm going to thank you even though I'm going through this and God, you know what it is. You get it. I feel like I'm up to my neck in water, but I'm just going to, as for me, I'm going to choose to praise you. I'm going to choose to show thanksgiving because here's the thing I know. The humble will see it and they'll start rejoicing instead of falling away. And those who see God will take heart because they'll say, if the king can praise God in the midst of this, then maybe I can too. And the Lord listens to the needy. It's a promise. And he doesn't despise his own who are prisoners. God, David says, I get it. God listens. Let heaven and earth praise him, the seas and everything that moves in them, for God will save Zion. I know this is not all there is. This is temporary. I get it. And build up the cities of Judah. They will live there and possess it. The descendants of his servants will inherit it, and those who love his name will live in it. David says, okay, time to take a long view of life. This is just a moment. And as for me, God, right now, whenever it's your time, you know, these are the prayers of what I'd like to see happen. But here's the thing. As for me, I'm going to praise you. I'm going to give thanksgiving because I know you're a God who understands. I know you're in control. I know this isn't it. And I'm going to choose to be that way. You defeat depression by deciding to depend upon God. Our Savior, a thousand years later, felt the pain of insults, the pain of mockery, the pain of rejection. He felt all those things that David was feeling and that you and I feel at times. Ten times worse, by the way. None of us have had our backs filleted open or had to carry a cross up a hill, and none of us have borne the sins of the entire world, and none of us have ever experienced God the Father turning his back on us. None of us have ever experienced that. But he did it for the joy set before him. He endured the cross. He didn't give up on us. He didn't lash out. Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them, For they know not what they're doing. And if Jesus on that cross put his hands into the hand of the Father and said, I'm going to depend upon you, Father, not my will but yours be done, then we need to do the same. God, I I feel like water's up to my neck. I can't get a footing. Life's difficult. I don't understand it. I feel like people are making fun of me. I feel like a failure. But I'm going to depend on you. I'm going to trust you. I know you understand. And you know what? I'm just going to start giving you thanks for every little thing that happens. Thank you, Lord, that I woke up this morning. Thank you, Lord, for that hot shower. Thank you for caffeine and coffee. Thank you, Lord, for a great breakfast this morning. Thank you, Lord, for these things. Thank you that I got a car. Thank you, Lord, for my wife. Thank you for my husband. Thank you for my children. Thank you, thank you. And you know what? You'll be amazed what the Lord has done 
And you may realize at some point your steps are a little lighter and life's a little brighter. And when you thank the Lord for your Savior, it's going to be okay. So here's my question. What are you deciding to do? What are you going to do? Let's pray. Father, I think everybody in this room, maybe some of us to greater degrees than others, have been hit by moments of depression. Some folks right now might be in the throes of it. Father, maybe people on Facebook who just are right now even thinking about ending it all. Maybe people in this room, I don't know. Father, the first thing I know is without Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, life doesn't make sense. And I pray if there's somebody here this morning in this room or watching by Facebook who has never bowed their knee and called upon Christ to forgive them of their sins, become their Lord and Savior, they'll, they'll do it now. And when they do that, they will know that when they pray, they're praying to a God who understands and who loves them so much that he died for them. That's the first step. And I pray everybody in this room has done that personally. And Lord, for those of us who have, and those of us who may be feeling overwhelmed, that we'll decide, I'm not going to focus on myself, I'm not going to focus on others, I'm going to focus on you because of all you've done for me. And I know that my time is not your time. In your time, you will deliver me. But until that time and beyond that time, I'm going to praise you and I want to thank you. I'm going to decide to do this. So Lord, I pray maybe there's some today that will walk out of here saying, that's what I'm going to do. No more wallering. That's what I'm going to do.